Well, our guest is Brian House. Brian is on YouTube, and he's most well-known for his grinder videos. He has developed and sells plans for a kind of a DIY 2x72 grinder called Revolution Grinder, and it's really neat. He has sort of taken this complicated and expensive tool and broken it down to where it's a, a project that a person can either build just from the set of plans, or you can buy his kit, which has a lot of the pre-cut out parts. These grinders are really, really neat. They're, so, they're super versatile. Now, they're most well-known among blacksmiths and knife makers because you can get really precision grinding, and there's a million different wheels and shapes that it'll, that it'll grind. But they do a lot more things than just, than just steel, which we'll talk about. Now, I got to apologize. Halfway through this uh, conversation, I'm a little sick, and halfway through, I just got attacked with this coughing fit, and I'm just a wreck. I tried to turn my mic off, so for those of you listening I, or watching on YouTube, I apologize. And we're lucky to have my dad in this conversation. He, of course, loves everything about this topic, tools, craftsmanship, people creating things out of nothing. Brian is is really artistic and if you've ever seen his videos you'll know what I, you'll know I'm not kidding they are absolutely beautiful and he's he's really good and I, I can't wait for you to enjoy this conversation and afterwards go watch the videos to give it all a little context without any further ado Brian house So Brian, what is that on the bench right in front of your mouse hand there? That looks like an anvil without a, a with a rounded heel. What is that? It is. It's a it's a small sixty pound Atlas knife uh, anvil. It's a interesting United States made anvil, um, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, they're they make them themselves. Uh, they it's forged, and um, you know oh. I think it's cast. Actually, I'm sorry, it's not yeah, forged, but it, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I use it here on my bench uh, mostly for leather work, you know, setting rivets, things like that. Um, it's small, light, and handy. It's it's really made for knife making. But uh, yeah, interesting. I love it. It's, it's a great piece. So, did it come with all those edges fullered like that, or did you grind those edges? Did you fuller all those edges? Or did it come rounded like that? It came. It came fullered. Yeah, just as you uh-huh. see it. Yeah, he makes them like this. He, you know, polishes them up. And believe it or not, they come. They ship these in a flat rate United States postal box. So, <laughs> wow, you gotta love that. Smart. Right? Gotta exactly. love that, man. Yeah, it keeps the yeah. price low. So that's awesome. Yeah, those flat rate um, deals that the post office puts out. Man, they really, I bet you see some heavy, that's about, about as heavy as they get. But I know we we utilize that for our ribbon burners. And man, they, they're not getting a very good deal on us. Yeah. yeah I, I ship about, um, well, each, each one of my grinder packages is, there's two of them and they're 40 pounds a piece. And we ship so many now, you know, the post office knows us when we roll up, you know, we're shipped, we ship twice a week. So mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, I liked it. my tagline is always, uh, you got to work for it. Right. And, uh, the post office definitely works for it when they see all my gear come through. So. They're working on your, on your stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. For sure. You're saying this guy is making these like right now today and shipping them, manufacturing, uh, this anvil kind of like yourself and your two, two by 72, which we'll talk about, but there, there's small anvil makers as well. Yeah, Atlas Knife and Tool. Uh, they, if you go to, if you can look them up online, their you know their website's fantastic. Um, I, 
when when you're out shopping for an anvil, as most people know, uh, to f- try to find a vintage anvil now, you know, the cost is insane. You know, it, um, and if you're just looking into getting into the hobby of, say, knife making, you have a few options. You know, you can go to Amazon now, eBay, uh, and Atlas Knife and Tool. There's a there's a few um, sort of boutique anvil makers, and I got sucked into the whole anvil making thing and you know looked into it to see if i could actually do it which i don't think i could ever actually do it i'd love to make one but uh Mm -hmm. uh, when these guys do it so well and and by the way this little tiny anvil um at 60 some pounds 65 pounds it will do what a lot of larger anvils will do especially if you're making knives because you know you don't really need the horn you know a lot of a lot of knife makers don't use the horn um i i use it sometimes and i do have an anvil that has a horn on it but uh, this for me, for all its purposes, it's just a, it's a perfect little anvil. And I think the cost was, it was really inexpensive. I, I can't exactly remember. It was like a couple hundred dollars for this, but, Whoa. and shipped, you know, shipped to your, your house. So, yeah. Wow. Nice so, so Brian, pull that back just a little bit so we can see the profile on it. We're just looking at what ought to be the bench back to the hardy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Wow. And it comes yeah. with a hot cut so you can actually hot yeah. cut right on it yeah uh yeah you're in business yeah wow. it's a perfect little anvil you can move it around by hand and it it's it's got a nice uh, sound to it nice ring to it when you hit it um lots yeah. of bounce back yeah it's a great little piece that is awesome heck for it, i mean if 200 bucks is even close to it a guy could put one of those on the floor for an upsetting block you know it, it would be worth having on the ground just for upsetting the ends of bars you know that's pretty nice absolutely yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yeah, very versatile uh, little piece. Uh, and I just actually got back from Blade Show in Atlanta, and uh, they were there. Atlas Knife and Tool was there. Great, great crew of people. You know, really key. You know, they're American made. You know, that's one of the things you don't really yeah. find anymore. You know, is uh, a lot of people actually making things in the U.S. now, and mm-hmm. to be able to go to somebody's website and buy a small anvil and have them ship it to you uh, with their name stamped into it, it's just a good feeling. You know, it's good yeah, to it's see. Awesome people making stuff with their hands. So it's, it's kind of funny. We're like, we pay attention to all this pretty closely and it's amazing how many things just like this. And to be honest, you're two by 72 that until a couple months ago had no idea was happening and out there. And there's probably, you know, dozens more little boutique anvils just like that, that man, it's, it, it is a small world. And at the same time, <laughs> there's a lot going on that, that we don't all know about, even in this tiny little niche we're all paying attention to. Yeah, that's the beauty, I think, of of YouTube is that Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube inspired me to get into something I've always wanted to get into. So back in college, uh, 20 some years ago, I studied sculpture and I was really wanting to kind of focus on the arts. And, you know, and then, of course, you start to realize that, you know, if you want to make a decent living for yourself, doing creative endeavors is actually it's really difficult, you know. Um, Yeah wanted to have family, wanted to be successful, wanted to have nice things. So I got into the tech uh, business. I was good at it. So, you know, I started building computers. I, I went to work uh, for Fox television and, and did a lot of uh, creative work, but also a lot of technical work. That's where I picked up a lot of, you know, I'm working with a lot of these old timer electricians and guys who just, you know, like, no, don't throw that away. We're going to, we're going to pull that off and we're going to fix it. Taught me how to use an oscilloscope. Uh, taught me how to solder, things like that. Very valuable skills. And then, um, I, you know, of course, in the on the back burner, always I had a garage shop where I would always be 
pulling my tools out, working, creating, or fixing. And in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted to do something with my hands. I, I wanted to be tactile, but you know, I was, I was always sucked into the tech stuff because that's where the money was. Uh, 15 years ago, I started a small computer repair shop and, uh, that was great. And, you know, still running today and, uh, taught me how to basically taught me how to run a business. You know, that, mm -hmm. that was the key here. Hire some people, incorporate, you know, money, manage customer, manage things like that. Taught me really great basis of business in the back of my head. I always kept thinking, I want to still migrate away from that and do something different. And, um, I had some really positive and people in my life that were business savvy who encouraged me to hire somebody to run that business while I started another. And, you know, my business plan didn't really, wasn't really drawn out to the point where I'd like it to be, but I just dove in with both feet, especially with the support of my family. My wife is amazing. She was the one that was just like, go do it, you know, make, make your dreams happen. She believed in me. Uh, and that was just, gosh, it just changed how I saw everything. So, um, <laughs> I stepped away from that business and let somebody else run it and started what you see now, which is my YouTube channel, which is housework. Um, you know, we're still small, you know, uh, compared to a lot of other channels and, but you know, I'm only about a year and a half in like two years in really, um, at 40,000 subscribers, we're doing pretty good. By the way, yeah. I would like to congratulate both of you on reaching <laughs> 1 million subscribers. <laughs> on the well, essential craftsman well YouTube thanks for that channel. man but but i'll just tell you that we are both so we're just a little shell shocked right now at the effort that we've both been outlaying and we've kind of let this milestone just kind of go by we'll stop and talk about it at christmas time but thanks for that <laughs> vote man it's <laughs> nice to hear anyway one of the things i think i love about you guys both so much is that you're just what you're the classic definition of getting it done you know hmm. if if and I'm sure you've had lots of conversations back and forth in the comment section about people who would love to slow your process down with mm -hmm. things that may or may not be important. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I too have, you know, had those same things. And I think to myself, when I watch your channel, I see a lot of the, yes, you could do it this way, but this is the way we chose to do it because we had mm -hmm. to get it done. And that's the type that's of it. person I am as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's hard. It's really tough. The house that exists and even in the videos, as you know, like there's a hundred ways to explain it in a video. So it's you're we're deciding some of these things multiple times. And for most of them, there's no really obvious right or wrong answer. It's kind of like, you know, which way do you want to do? It's That's like right. kind of torturous to have that many decisions. Uh, to make sometimes and that unless you're making a lot of videos which we'll talk about with yours but you would you would certainly understand that you know like how how deep do i need to go and when you're looking back at it you can always kind of see some comments and be like okay that you know that went okay that i could have done better on here but you don't really know how that'll be received when you're cutting it and putting it out there at right at first so it's i don't know it's it's not it's it's not as intuitive as people might think. I don't know if they think that, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And decision exhaustion is a real, is a real dynamic. You know, after a while you've, you've made so many choices and you have so many choices looming that there's a part of your brain that just kind of shuts off. And it's like, you know, I just can't, I can't make one more choice today or maybe this week, you know, it's just, it can be overwhelming. That's for sure.
I've been there. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Uh, and also, when you have a camera pointed at you, whether yeah. it be your son or or just me, like I've been here by myself most days, but it affects. It almost is like that. Um, you get that paralysis by analysis. You're like, if I show yeah. this, I know that the the, yeah. di- the direction of this video is going to go in a completely different direction. People are going to focus yeah. on this stuff. So what I've learned to yeah. do, and I'm sure you have do the same because I've watched your uh, evolution of time over time and watching your channel for so many years, is that you are now removing yourself from that process. You're basically saying, look, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it do it to make, make me happy. And that that's going to be good enough. And I'm going to show the process and share my, my experience. And I think that's what the reason for your success is that you're doing what you love doing and you're sharing all this great stuff. And it's like, you know, you throw it to, you throw it up in the wind and hope something catches and it's all good from there. Yeah. The advantage, the advantage we have that it sounds like you don't have is that I've, I've got Nate who has his finger up in the wind, keeping track of which way this is blowing all the time. And sure. he has a, a more a more detached perspective, um, and so that that's just a, a really valuable, um, you know, second second well, first set of eyes. Really, in, in reality, mine becomes a second set of eyes on what's really going on. But you you just said something about you know with the camera the exhaust. So I, I have kind of characterized it about that the zen of the work disappears as soon as the camera flips on. Are you with me on that? That yeah. and, and maybe it's just in my own perfection. Not I'm not even it's maybe it's just in my own head, but man, when that camera goes on, the automatic aspect of doing your job suddenly gets compromised. You know, I I'm always drawn back to the fact that the camera's running rather than keeping my head into the job and what's happening in that moment. Does that does that happen for you or can you forget the camera and just go to work? Yeah, it's very difficult to forget the camera. I mean, you know, I think from my perspective, I, I, I'm prototyping things in my yeah. shop here. And what I found, and I didn't know that this was even a thing, but people just really love to watch the process of the prototyping and how I'm thinking about designing something and getting into what I do with the two by 72 belt grinders and then the different attachments and the things that we've been creating over time. Um, you know, that's something that wasn't very native to me. In fact, I, um, I learned about two by 72 belt grinders on YouTube when I was looking to build my own, I built one and then I had an accident with it because I was using, using it incorrectly. And I, and I threw a knife into my apron and it was okay. Very, I was safe. I had a leather apron on, everything was okay. I realized that, you know, that tool was outside of my financial reach. Like I couldn't afford a, a built tool. So I needed to build my own, but I wanted to have all the features like going in reverse and horizontal tilting and all those things so that I could use the tool safely. I actually took the time to learn CAD so that I could draw it up in mm-hmm. CAD. And then mm-hmm. that led me down this road of essentially just showing every step of the way. So uh, I remember Christmas of 2018, I posted a video of me welding up just some parts and showing how the tilting mechanism worked. And I think on the first or second day, I got like 20 some thousand views. And my channel back then only had like maybe 10,000 subscribers. And I went, there's got to be something to this. Why are they watching? You know, what, what is that? uh, What is the fascination? 
And then they started, when I started talking to people, I realized that I put myself in a position that a lot of other people were in. They couldn't afford that tool and they wanted to watch me build one so they could do the same. Little did I know that that would transform my life from, you know, getting away from my tech business. And now I do pretty much this full time. This is all I do. And I'm making a living at doing it. And I did it in just inside of like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. which on YouTube is kind of tough, you know, but yeah, um, short time. I'm proud of it. Yeah, I'm proud of it. But uh, the other side of it is, is I tell people like, look, you know, if you're on YouTube and you want to get paid for ad revenue, um, that's, you know, that's kind of a long game situation. You really got to saddle up your YouTube channel with a business. Um, and if you don't do that, you're going to be in a long, kind of a longer game uh, of trying to generate uh, ad revenue. And that's ad revenue, as you guys know, is this up and down all the time. You just never know. You can't rely mm-hmm. on it. So uh, I, I basically did that. And uh, so now I'm uh, finding myself getting a lot of um, people watching and showing. And then also now, of course, people are building my tools, which is an amazing mm-hmm. feeling. You know, looking all yeah. over the world, thousands of times over, this tool has been built. It just blows my mind, guys. I'm, I'm just yeah. out of I don't know, even know, like you said about the million subscribers, it's, it's just, it's hard to, to even think of it in terms of reality. How do you think, so let's, your two by 72 is a good example, but there's probably people watching your videos and learning a ton and then making their own without your plans and kit. And so you're kind of creating all this value and giving that away. And I've met people who are afraid of doing that, you know, but you are just kind of giving and putting it out there. The, the more detailed, the better. Can you talk about that? And I, I'm assuming it's, it's working out, um, counterintuitively in your favor doing it that way. But I know people who take a different approach. So wh- why is it that you're just giving away all of that nitty gritty detail? Um, even if someone may not buy your plans because of it. That's a great question. Uh, I get that a lot. Actually, people think that it is counterintuitive. I will say, I don't think so any, anymore anyway. I think that when you give it all away, people are more, the right people are more apt to become your customer. So if, if I felt like, uh, and people have copied my design, I mean, it's, it's a well-known fact. In fact, it's a bone of contention in a lot of um, these groups that I'm a part of. Uh, a, a large company actually copied my design to pretty much to the T. But which I kind of took as like a, wow, I'm you know flattered by that. Um, I think it's great. Uh, but the other piece of this puzzle is when people watch the detail, they can get a, a good sense of what I'm doing and hopefully they'll spend money with me. And if they don't, you know, hey, I, I can't stop that. But what I can do is I can share every little detail in hopes to inspire someone else to maybe create their own tool or their own machine um, I, I talk a lot about this on my own podcast where I tell people like, look, if, if you're going to do any endeavor, anything at all, make sure you love it. Make sure you have a passion for it because then that thing is kicking your butt and it's kicking it hard and you're failing or you're, you know, the times are dark. You want that passion as sort of your motivator to keep going every day to keep doing it. I absolutely 100% love mechanical engineering and designing industrial machines. I don't know where it came from. I abs- I'm fascinated with it. I find myself playing with these things, figuring it out, looking at the belts, figuring out the physics of how it turns and how we can make it better. How, how can we make it cheaper? How can we make it easier for the person to build? Uh, and I just think about, I wake up every morning and think about that. There's been people out there that when they 
get into this business or they start looking at doing something similar, I call them, uh, unless they're truly passionate about it, I call it a smash and grab. They'll basically replicate, replicate somebody else's design and then sell it in hopes to make some money. They're not doing it because they love it. They're not doing it because of any other reason other than financial gain. And as you both know, that is, that's a lesson in futility because eventually you're going to hate it. And eventually you're not going to want to support it anymore. You're not going to want to do it. And I think the reason for our success is that people see that energy and what we're doing and they can just sense it. They can sense how much I love it. And they yeah. ultimately that translates into sales and it turns people from friends into customers and vice versa. You know, so, so, so that, that's really, those I think are important thoughts and getting back, you said you studied sculpture. Okay. So, so, um, true confession. I, I find myself without any time in my life now to consume YouTube. I used to, Nate turned me on to YouTube 10 years ago and I consumed African wildlife um, videos quite a bit for a while. And, and then just started discovering the educational component a little bit. And then our YouTube business started and that was that, I mean, there's no, hasn't been any more time. So I was watching your uh, how-to video on your 2x72, the revolution, right? It's called the revolution. Um, yes. And the thing that jumped out at me was, wow, that's a beautiful tool. That guy has an art sense. And then you, you go ahead and express the fact that you've had sculpture training and education. And your 2x72 your is a piece of sculpture. And as I was looking at that, I was, just the, way, the pillars, you know, that are holding up the wheels and stuff and the proportions... And steampunk is not the right word, but it is, there's sculpture going on in that. And that's got to be part of the reason you love this so much is because you're doing this mechanical engineering and dealing with the physics and making it work and making it for less money and inputting these sculptural art elements that, that invite the passion, right? I mean, at some level, the engineering is interesting, but it's hard to get passionate about, about efficiency, although you can, guys do. And it's easier to get passionate about efficiency that brings some beauty with it. And I, I so kudos on that. That's a fine looking machine. I especially love the way it rolls over to horizontal. Okay. That is a very, very classy look and an efficient process. So yeah, I like it. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, a lot of thought and energy went into the actual design, you know, of it because, um, I've seen it, you know, in my, I wanted it to feel industrial. You know, this is a heavy machine. When it's complete, it's 90 pounds, uh, which is pretty heavy um, wow. for, for a grinder. And a lot of people have designed other grinders. There's a lot of 2x72s out there on the market that are, are all plate steel versions. And, you know, that, that seems to be the kind of the trend. However, with tube steel, there's a lot of, um, I, I just love the look of it. Not only that, it's just it's like monolithic, right? It's got this weight to it and, and the, the balance of the machine, you can turn it with one finger and it'll stay horizontal or vertical without any locking mechanism at all, even though we, we include mm -hmm. one. Um, it, it, to me, if, if, you know, you're right, I, I love looking at the machine and every mm -hmm. iteration, it gets a little bit sexier kind of for lack mm -hmm. of a better term. But uh, I, I just, I appreciate you saying something about it because I did spend a lot of time working on yeah that. it's a nice um, it looks nice dad will you maybe explain and then brian you take a swing at it afterwards but i know there's a lot of guys listening who who are enjoying this and be like yeah that is cool i'm not a knife guy so i i don't need one of these but the i i think that might be kind of i think people might not realize how useful and versatile and helpful and sort of like problem solving these two by 72s are and 
dad, you've had a couple different ones, but maybe sort of make yeah. a case for why, even if you're not a blacksmith, if you can salvage a few square feet on your workbench, you might, you know, need one. Yeah, they are, they are the magic tool. Um, and it took me a while. Well, it took me precisely as long as it took me to meet Cy Swan and watch him use his two by 72 to realize the capacity. And then I was in Ken Jordan's shop and he's got one in there cause he was going to be a knife maker, but he ended up being a consummate woodworker. And so it's one of very few tools that is, that, that is it's wood and it's steel and it's non-ferrous metals. You can, you can particularly with those, with those frequency drives, you can turn the speed down and sharpen drill bits on those things. They complete, for me, they completely obviate grind stones. I mean, I grew up trying to grind things on rocks, you know, spinning stones. And as, as soon as you introduce a 2x72 with the variety of belts that are available and the different wheel sizes and speeds and reversibility, it is nothing like uh, the old electric grinder. Nothing like it at all. And almost anything I'm doing, I mean, I mean even cutting the end off, if I've got to cut half an, end off a, half an inch off the end of a bar and I can get out the plasma cutter or I can get out the cutting torch or I can walk over to the cutoff wheel or I can go to the bandsaw. Most of the time I just go over to a two by 72 and wrap that thing up to 5,200 feet with a coarse wheel and it's done. It's, it's just from rough work to the finest work that you need to do in the shop. It covers every base. I 100% agree. Uh, Once I built my first one and realized how much utility and how much time saving it it made for Mm -hmm. me, even my rudimentary one, which didn't tilt and didn't go in reverse or anything, I realized that this was such an important tool that every workshop should have one, whether you're a metal worker or a woodworker or you're just a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they are out of reach, you know, as far as cost goes, you know, so that's why mm-hmm. when we put the kit together, it was like, we got to keep this fairly affordable. And with steel prices going up, it's been very difficult to keep it, you know, uh, keep it low. We still, you know, we, we're now uh, in a different kind of space where I'm able to uh, purchase a lot at one time. Uh, whereas before I was buying, you know, 10 at a time and I was paying 10 at a time pricing. Now we buy 100, sometimes 200 at a time. Um, to get better pricing to keep our prices low. So we're, you know, we're doing all of those things. The other piece of this puzzle is that we have removed the major component of uh, cost associated with these grinders, and that's the labor to put it together. We really want people to, we want to empower them and show them like, look, even if you've got a $100 Harbor Freight stick welder, you can put this thing together. Even if you've never fabricated, I've watched people who are, they've never welded a day in their life put together the revolution and it's, they got ownership over it. You know, they're, they're like, look what I built. And what that, not only does that make my heart feel like I, like my life is complete, right? I've educated people. I've empowered them. I've uh, shown them that hard work is important, that they can do whatever they want with their time. But now they're sharing their story on social media, which then in turn translates into sales for me because, you know, they're, they're like, where did you get that machine? And How'd you do it? And did you build? Oh, you got to talk to Brian House. You know, he's the guy that you want to talk to. It, it, and all of these people are connected in some way. You know, they, they've all got, uh, I like to say that I've found my freaks. You know, everybody out there who does the same kind of stuff that we love to do, right? You know, work with our hands, build things, uh, you know, be, be a part of the process of making things. Uh, you know, growing up, there, there wasn't a lot of those guys around me, but now I got this like crew of people that I can call mm-hmm. at any time. And it's all because of this grinder project. 
it's wow. it's changed my life. Um, I feel like you might have skipped a step, Brian, because you had your computer business and then you started into like the workbench world. But I watched the video of the knife you made and it was immaculate. Like it, it was not a beginner knife. And so at what point did you become so proficient and like, or, or had you sort of been doing these things nights and weekends your whole life anyways? But at what point did you really like get a hold of all this and, and be able to turn out like that, that kitchen knife, you know, work at that level? Yeah, I've been making knives for, for about four years now. And, um, but I've always been, you know, working with my hands and, tr you know, I've did, uh, did a lot of woodworking, you know, so woodworking kind of translates into handle work and knife making. Yep. Yeah. Work the is work. Work is work. Hands, you know, working with your hands is that kind of stuff. But I'll, I'll say that I've, I've never, there's never been a time in my life over than just like a small brief period where I didn't have a workshop where I was always like, you know, tinkering with something, making something. Hmm. The reason why I love working with metal is that every piece of steel is different. And it's you have a chance to take that piece of steel, transform it into something. And not only does it become something beautiful, but it becomes a tool like a knife. You know, there's probably not a day that goes by that any of us in this room don't touch a knife. Right. And I would say a majority of the people on earth, it's the same thing. Knife is a tool that is a universally accepted tool for a lot of things. And to be able to create one and do it in a way that's aesthetically pleasing, but it also has a lot of function is, is difficult. But I, I love the process. I absolutely love the process. And I appreciate your kind words, Nate, on that. That knife was, um, I did, which one was it? The Giotto that yeah. you saw, the, the yeah. last one? Yeah, that was part of the Giotto challenge that I got uh, plugged into with a bunch of guys on YouTube. And, and by the way, th that's the other beautiful part about YouTube is that I've connected now with all these amazing makers that are, that think the same way and they're doing amazing collaborative work, uh -huh. you know, like this Giotto challenge. I'm in the same room with guys that have, uh, that I've idolized, you know, for a long time, been able to watch their work on YouTube and just appreciate. Now I'm on a one-on-one -on -one basis with those guys and I'm able to ask them questions and talk to them. So that's, there's just, uh, it's a really cool connection point and, uh, you know, knife making for me. I don't really do a ton of it on YouTube anymore. And the reason is, is because, um, as you know, YouTube, you're kind of one of the lucky channels that gets to kind of pick and choose whatever they want to do. But, you know, if I make knife making content, it doesn't tend to get a lot of um, attention. Although I will say the Gyoto did get a lot of attention. So maybe that's going to change <laughs> things up for me, perhaps. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting. You know, th there is something about knives. I mean, they are seductive, right? So many people ache ache to make a knife, you know, and, and I don't know, that's a DNA thing or, or something, or just like you said, everybody uses one every day. And so it, it sort of burrows into our subconscious as something that's worth doing. And we get all these ideas about how a knife could work and how it should look. And then people like you with an art sense come along and push the frontiers of how beautiful a knife could be out there a ways. And then we think about that and that sort of baits the hook a little more effectively for us until we just can't at some level, most guys just can barely stay away from trying to make a knife, you know, and they're just kept away because they don't have the tools or the place, right? Yeah, it takes a lot of tooling to make a knife, a proper knife. You know, uh, I have uh, been blessed with uh, being able to have access to tools like this. Um, and the Grinder project is the sole reason for that. You know, uh, the Grinder project for me is able to finance everything that I want to do in here 
And yeah. so it's kind of like a symbiosis. I'm, I'm able to create this grinder, support it, sell it, make money, and then do what I love doing. Uh, and it's like a 50-50 kind of t- thing. And yeah. um, But then when you see, you know, I see you guys working with bees and building houses and you're doing all the things that I had done at one time in a part of my life, you're, you know, um, I see you all as like a, like a Renaissance, you know, of men that you're able to find all these passions and mix them all together. And one day you're, you know, working with the bees and rescuing bees. And another day you're, you're in your blacksmith shop using a power hammer. Uh, a lot of times those two things don't go together, but for some reason with <laughs> you guys, man, they, they just do. Um, I'm in that same camp, by the way, I love all that stuff. And I had a small apiary at one time. Bees are cool. fascinating and just i love bees so i love watching yeah. that video by the way you guys rescued that those hives and everything it's- <laughs> my wife you know i you were talking about your wife so the three of us are sitting here blessed with exceptional women i can tell i know Allie. i know nate's nate's bride she's exceptional in so many ways and i met kelly when i was 15 years old on the school bus and you were talking about your wife encouraging you to identify what you want to do and go for it what chance do those guys have who don't have women like that in their lives you know, I, I just don't see how any of, you know, this convergence. So we're talking about convergence here, but multiple uh, dynamics in a person's life kind of converging at a certain time and changing directions. How, how would convergence even be possible without that partner who's there facilitating that and bringing her own set of skills and interests? I just, I just wanted to kind of run down that little rabbit trail for a second and recognize that. It was great to hear you say that your wife encouraged you in this stuff. All my best ideas come from her. She, she has, you know, she has been the, the person who has said to me, uh, for, I'll give you a really great example. So last year, the company did well. And, you know, always at the end of the year, we have to evaluate and look at our tax liability. And the thing is, is about, uh, you know, businesses have to spend a little money at the end of the year because they want to offset. So if you want to grow your business and if you need a piece of gear, you should, you should buy it towards the end of the year because it'll offset your tax uh, liabilities. And I've always wanted one of these laser etchers, you know, these high beam, fancy 50 watt things that'll etch steel, it'll etch wood, it'll cut leather, it'll do all this stuff. And they're expensive. They're like $5,000. And we had the money, but you know, it was like, I, I couldn't do it. I was just like, look, it's a, it's a luxury device. I don't need it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want it, but I don't need it. So I show it to her on my phone. I said, that's the one I want. And she goes, buy now. She just hits her finger right <laughs> on the button. She goes, oh, yeah. oh, your PayPal. Okay, sure. Boom. And I went, wait, what? And it was already done. She's like, she's like, you need to learn that this will, this will push you further. This will slingshot you. Sure enough, I get the laser takes a couple months because they got to import it. But this thing, I create content with it. It, it, you know, people watch it. They love lasers. Everybody's so fascinated by lasers. And now I've got a company who wants to partner with me and they want me to kind of be an ambassador for their laser company. Of course. See, this is her idea. You know what I mean? It was like, she's the one that pushed me into it. She's the one, she's the reason I'm in this studio right now, because she said this studio was going to be a rental space. So I own uh, units in this building. They're like, you can purchase them like condos. I bought this space as a rental, as like in sort of a investment property. We're standing there talking one day and she says, you know, you've been talking about doing your YouTube thing. Why don't you just move in there, put all your tools in there, take them out of the garage and I can park my car in the garage 
<laughs> and then you go there and you do your thing over there. And I went, really? You think so? You know? And if I would have listened to her, we would have made about $12,000 a year in rent to rent this place. And, you know, uh, I, you do the math. I, I don't have to explain it to you, but that would have been a bad move financially. You know, we, we've far exceeded that now. Um, so all because she has been the one who has just kind of like pushed me over the edge, you know, with the, those concepts and ideas. And so does, does Sarah she has has taken consulting clients or anything? Would she be willing to <laughs> coach me at all? <laughs> She will love. To, she would love to tell you how to spend your money. Yes, absolutely. That's funny. So, I, it was the when the when I was watching that kitchen knife. It was the moment the laser came out and etched those uh, those symbols on it that I was kind of like, okay, this is insane. This guy can do it all. So that yeah. laser really, it definitely paid for itself. I would say or made an it, impact. It definitely continues to. So that, in Kelly and my cool. marriage, our our analog story to that is historically so. So I'm I'm at the tail end of the baby boomer generation, right? So I am not tech savvy. Nate has had to compensate for that with this whole thing. It's like pushing a rock uphill for him to get me to be able to do this stuff. But right away, Kelly and I nailed down email and we nailed down Craigslist pretty well. And so she would hear me talk about tools and she'd start watching Craigslist. And she found for me the, the 125 CFM towable compressor that I needed to run my my power hammer, boom, she scored on that. She found the radial drill for me that I have in the shop that I needed. Boom. She said, here, look at this. You looking for a drill? Yeah. Boom. Every once in a while, she'll say, now what tools are you looking for right now? And she just surfs Craigslist. And she, so anyway, I, anyway, we're back to that same idea. That's that, my, that's that my right kind of lady, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you have to have that good partnership with somebody. Yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, that's, yeah. that's, that'll change your, your, all of your trajectory will change if somebody's right. behind you saying, go do, do what you need to do. That's I, right. I fully yeah. believe that. Yeah. Um, so secret weapon. Well, um, about shop skills a little bit, cause you talked about you, you'd been making knives for four years, which is not all that long. And, and people should click on that video or any of the other ones you've done to see the level you're at now. But isn't it amazing how it doesn't take necessarily decades to become pretty decent at something. And in a lot of times after right. you do something once or even twice, you learn so much just by seeing it and just kind of doing it that way that, you know, the, the, the distance from zero to having no experience after you have just one or two, it, there's a lot of ground made. And I want to, I bring that up and maybe you could talk about putting your two by 72 together. Cause when I watched the video, there was a lot of processes in there that I'm not real good at or haven't done a ton, but it, it occurred to me like, Hey, if I put that thing together, I would probably become better at, you know, tapping holes or, or welding or, or whatever it may be. So how, how buildable is the two by 72? What kind of shop skills does it take? Uh, maybe kind of go through that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. You need a welder, you need a drill press, um, a tap set, which, and the, the design of the revolution, we use only two taps, uh, three, eight, 16 quarter, 20. Uh, there is a half inch 13, uh, thread as well. Just one small one. Uh, you're right about that is when, uh, buildability was really important. So if you, if you've heard me say gen four, that's because we're on generation four of this uh, grinder and I've made small modifications that add up to big things. Um, one for instance is the, um, the buildability overall, you know, we took a lot of the math out of it for people you know, uh, let the laser cutter basically do that work for them so that they don't have to think about it. 
Uh, and then the other piece of it was, is like the platen, the facing part for the user facing part where, you know, the, the hard platen is. We wanted to give people more space above for people doing work with, say, cleavers or lawnmower blades or whatever they might be working on. Um, and so we dropped and we took the pivot point from the center of the platen, the D plate, and dropped it down two inches so that you got two more inches of platen space to where you could now work on a like bigger device or bigger project. Um, those little things, those are little small design changes. Also, you know, just adding like tracking mechanisms and stuff. And, and, you know, my kit at, when it started, it basically was like the very first iteration was just, you got the bare bones pieces and you kind of had to find everything else. Now you get all of it except for the wheels, motor and VFD. And you should be able to fabricate this in less than a day. Most people have about five, six hours in on it um, at the end if they're a proficient fabricator. Uh, if they're not, you know, it might take them a weekend. Uh, a lot of people do it with a, like their son or, or their fathers or whatever, and they're building them together. Sometimes people build two or three of them, you know. Hmm. Um, it's, it's really kind of cool to watch. The, the thing is, is you, need just, you just need to understand welding. And if you watch any of my videos, you'll see I use a MIG welder. It's just a middle-of-the-road Hobart, uh, American-made, uh, you know, Hobart MIG welder 220. Um, I, you can use stick. Stick is great. Uh, if you've got it, use it. Um, TIG, if you really want to get fancy with it, go TIG it up. Uh, you know, it really, my, for my opinion, though, like if, if you have a MIG welder, it's like kind of point and shoot, right? You can splat a weld on there and it'll stick. Uh, same with stick for the most part, if you know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I like about the project is it's not in too intensive to the point where I feel like I'm asking people to do things that are outside of their comfort zone. Say like when I built my original prototype, I didn't have a plasma table or a laser cutter. So I used, um, like a, um, uh, one of those, um, round table. I can, the name ex escapes me now, but, uh, on my mill, I need to be able to create radiuses, right? So yeah. I had to be a, able to a use dividing head. Yeah, I had to be able to learn how to do that because I had just never done that before. So, mm -hmm. um, and it, to ask people to do that would be really tough, you know, or to drill holes and then file out the the, the C channels. I mean, that's crazy. When a when a la laser cutter can do it in ten seconds let the laser cutter do the work and, you know, we'll push the product out that way. Some people still build these by hand, by the way, I've seen a few of them have like in South Africa where they have real difficulty time finding uh, laser cutters and things like that. People build them by hand. I've had people build them in um, Iraq, Afghanistan. They send me photos. Uh, wow. You know, I'm connecting with people all over the world that are doing this and it's, it's amazing. Talk, talk to me for just, yeah. So it is amazing. The whole being in contact with people and having that and having, um, uh, Having more than a superficial conversation with someone on another part of the planet from another culture is an amazing thing that Nate and I have been learning. Um, yes. A couple of tech questions, if I can find my note here. Okay, so you talked about the getting what you pay for in the frequency drive, you know, that the one requires a cool environment and dust-free and the other is more robust. It also has a knob for the speed control. So the my 2x72, which I love, it was a game changer for me. I just love it so much. It has uh, a button control, speed control. And I'm thinking of taking that thing off and putting a knob on there just for the time it saves to be able to make that speed adjustment in a second and a half instead of waiting for the speed to come up. Your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, definitely a knob. I mean, I'm a knob guy all around uh, because of like what you said, it's just a much more efficient way of tuning the speed. Um, There's two different routes you can take when you um, go into VFDs. There's the cheap ones that you can get imported. They're a hundred bucks. And these are for the guys who are just like hobbyists. They're not like, you know, I tell people, like, look, if you buy that, just be aware that it has a lifespan. You can buy a KB Electronics K-Back, which is like what the industry standard is. If you've ever watched anybody like on TV using uh, a grinder like that, you'll see they all, the K-Back makes a, a button version too, an, a digital version, which I'm not a huge fan of. But that one is about $400. So you're talking, you know, a, quite a, a difference in, in uh, money there. However, I will say I'm running both. So just because when I tell people like, look, you can go this way or this way, I want to have the experience firsthand Mm -hmm. so that I can, you know, sell whatever I'm selling. I want to know is, is going to be, you know, I have that knowledge. Yep. My, my cheaper $99 uh, VFD is still hanging out with my $400 VFDs, you know, and it's not popped yet. Uh, But one of the main reasons is, is I keep it really clean. You know, I'm always blowing it clean with compressed air and making sure that it's clean now. You can encapsulate those in boxes. People do this all the time. They take the the original box off the outside. They put the electronics into, like, say, a sealed box, and they put the controller on the outside. And it and mm. some of these guys are running those for ten years, you know, mm. just like that. So it's, you can go either way. But I love a knob, uh, Scott. I'm telling yeah, you, that's, yeah. that's the way. Yeah, it's just right yeah. now. Up and so down. Yeah. What, what does yeah. it take for someone if they were going to if they're listening to this and be like, I think I want to try it. It still costs something. So kind of give us the the big picture on what it, what it takes and what people need to find themselves and, and all how, how it goes down. Sure. Uh, so when you buy the kit, we call it the ultimate bundle. It's all the steel parts, everything from the plate steel to the tube steel. Uh, you can build the frame and everything from that point. You have to obviously fabricate a few things, drill and tap. Uh, that kit uh, right now is 535 bucks and that's shipped to you. So if you're in the U S uh, and you, you know, you get two big boxes filled with steel, um, for five thirty-five, And then the other components you'll have to source are the motor and the VFD and, and also the, uh, the wheel set. Uh, we don't have the facility yet to make the aluminum roller bearings. Uh, we're working on that. We'll probably have something, but there is a gentleman in Utah who makes them. Um, his work is fantastic. And, you know, the, so basically you're going to pay $150 for his wheels and you're going to have probably about $300 into the powertrain. So at the end of the day, most people have $900 or less dollars, depending on how creative they get uh, with this device once they're done building it. Um, if you look at a manufactured 2x72 grinder that does all the things that the Revolution will do, tilts, goes in forward and reverse, has all those, uh, the work rest features that have 45 and all of that, you're going to be in the $2,000 range, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing it for about half or less than half of the middle of the road grinders. And in my opinion, what you get with the Revolution is that much more. In it's just, in my opinion, it's like the, it's an industrial heavy machine that's that can contend, you know, with the big boys. And it does, you know, we see them out there and, uh, I went to blade show and I was wandering around and you know, I can't cover my face up. People know who I am. So if I wander into a grinder booth, you know, they're all looking at me kind of sideways, like, why are you in here? 
Uh, and, and it's like, you know, there's kind of that line where you want to be respectful and stuff, but I love talking about grinders and I wanted to talk about their grinder with them. Um, and some guys were really receptive and some were not. So it, it was, yeah. it was really kind of cool to see my influence in that world, you know, even yeah, with guys that have been doing awesome. it for 10 plus years. So, yeah. hey, isn't it interesting to see personalities sort of demonstrate whether they are willing to bet on the value of giving things away in terms of information and sharing or not willing to to uh, make themselves vulnerable and bet on that and, and want to be proprietary and keep their cards. It's, and it's, you know, I'm not making a judgment call here. It's just interesting that some people tend in one direction and some people tend in another. And uh, it, it, anyway, it is interesting. Now, Nate and I went down to a, a, a YouTube um, get together in Texas three years ago, Good of the Land Festival, I think it was called. We had a fine time. There was a grinder down there. I don't remember the manufacturer, but I remember that there was some mechanism that operated inside the circumference of the belt, right? I mean, inside the space that that 72-inch belt created, there was a, a release so you could spin it around and so the platen would present, and then you could pull a pin, spin it around, and the contact wheel would present inside the profile of the belt. I thought, now that is a handy, handy innovation. Have you got any thoughts like that on your mind? Or maybe you don't want to tip your mitt, but it, it seemed to me to be a time-saving, worthwhile innovation. Yeah, no, you're right. It, uh, absolutely. The, the, the tri-wheel is, you know, yes. um, there's a bunch of guys that are doing that now. Um, it might have been Ameribraid that, that had that. Those guys are um, doing that. Also, the, the team down in uh, Australia that uh, sells through um, Alex Steele, the 84 engineering guys in in Australia, they have a similar setup and you're absolutely right. The, I would definitely, I want to prototype, prototype something like that. I definitely do. Right. The, the thing about it is, is that mechanism that axle that the yes. platen rides on would have to be machined. So yes. what that does is at any, if I were to do that, it would mean that uh, we would have to have those parts machined. So the cost would go, you know, up uh, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So for now, what, what I have is just a swap out, you know, my arm with an arm that has a contact yeah. wheel on it. But you're right yeah. about that. I mean, the, the being able to flop that over and just now you're doing, you know, uh, yeah. hollow grinds and everything. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you're right. Pretty nice. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's beautiful. That, that is beautiful too cool. Design. And the project aspect itself is like just so cool and yep. exciting about yours. It's, it's like for most people, I, I would assume um, – listening this is as much a hobby and like something to do as anything else and so doing it itself is like part of like the satisfaction of owning it i i doubt i don't know how many big you know fabricating shops you have like buying your plans because they need to replace the one that broke in other words building it sounds so fun and putting it together and forever having your two by 72 be assembled yourself if something breaks being able to know right away like well i I built you once so I can build you again that just that whole component of the of the tool is really cool oh and then the other thing that you're doing aside from prototyping this tool but I was really impressed and amazed you know building out the website and I guess now that I know you have a computer background it makes more sense but and art yeah and art but it's not that easy we've sold a few things online it's not easy it's hard you know to you're answering questions and emails and shipping and it is yeah, not yeah. easy, and and at least um, from the, your website, it looks just really solid and well done. And I, I got to assume it's a uh, you got a 
army of happy customers at this point. So what was that like putting all that side of it together? The, the grinder is only half the battle for you in this. Yeah, the, the marketing of it is is sort of organic now, but you're right. When people go to your website, we get a tremendous amount of traffic because my grinder videos now, you know, half a million views, you know, a quarter of a million views on some of them. The, the amount of traffic that feeds back from those uh, videos is amazing. But, you know, yeah, we lean on uh, Shopify for our back end. And, and, and here's the reason why is because they, uh, I don't have a team of people that I can like defer to any of this stuff. And they include all these like great little apps. Like for instance, here's a great one. They just implemented something called Shopify ping, which puts that little thing up at the bottom of the screen that says chat with us. And if you're a customer and you click on that chat and you send a message, you type it in, it comes to me in a little app on my phone and it pops up like a text message. And if I respond to that, it pops up on their device as a text message. Yeah. And so now we're, I'm able to uh, convert people into sales much quicker now because, as you know, most people don't, won't dig around. They won't read everything. They'll, right. They would rather type out a question, yep. uh, which is human nature. It's just the path of least resistance. So if I can offer, say, a quick response within minutes or, say, an hour, that builds trust between my customer and myself because, you know, they're going to go down this road, right? They're going to buy all this stuff and it's going to be, you know, $900 or whatever. And they, and now they're going to be building it. They want to know that when they're in the middle of something, if something goes wrong, they can gain access to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that the little piece of that functionality Shopify builds in, there's just no fee for that. It's just like a <laughs> part of their software. Uh, so yeah, that like the the website. Also, my wife is a like she's a UI and uh, designer for a fintech company. So I lean on her quite a bit too for stuff nice. like that. She takes all my photography, you know, does all my pictures and everything. She's she's amazing. She's an amazing artist as well. So it's uh, that's kind of that she does handles most of that stuff. But yeah, yeah, the the customer response stuff, I handle all that myself. Yeah, we've we've had our ribbon burner is the closest thing that we've done, and it's a much simpler uh, a, uh, deal, you know. But that being said, Dad, you you've got emails and people following up, like, what should I do about this? And you know, when you have a customer with this type of a thing, they're with you for a while, and that's and for you, it's that in spades. I'm I'm sure, like, when someone si starts building in their mind, you're like in their back pocket the whole time, almost, you know, it's like you're, you're on the journey with them at that point. Yeah, you would think so. You know, the plans are really detailed, you know, there's 62 pages and, and also the, <clears throat> the walkthrough videos. If you've seen some of those, I'm sure, yeah. but like the, the gen four build video is like an hour 45. Yeah. And then, you know, I timestamp everything. So when somebody has a question for me, I say, make sure you go, click through, here's the timestamp and I'll send them the link. And nine times out of 10, I never hear from them again because that video explained everything they needed to know. There, there's something about being able to convey how to build a machine and then tune it, make it run right to thousands of people in hundreds of countries and try to convey that in a way where it's not driving me nuts. And surprisingly enough, it it doesn't drive me nuts. I give, I mean, I do get questions and most of the questions are about, believe it or not, are about the wiring, which is in my opinion, the simplest part, but people <laughs> have a tendency to overthink it, you know? So 
they, they want to confirm with me that the diagram is right. And, you know, when you're wiring up a three phase motor, colors don't matter, you know, 220, it's two hots and a ground. It's very simple. But in their head, they're like, well, I, all my wires are green. And I'm like, right, but they have T numbers on them. And those T numbers correspond. You know, it's very simple. Once I break it down for them, they, it gives them the confidence to move forward. And there's nothing like the look on someone's face when they hit a button and a wheel starts turning and they were the it's ones true. responsible to it, right? And they, that's, they, that's true. they feel like they're so empowered. It's such a beautiful thing to watch. And then, of course, now they're putting the wheels on it and they're putting a belt on it and they're like, it's tracking. It, it, it runs forward and reverse. It, you know, think about all the things I'm going to be able to make with this. It just becomes, it, it gives me goosebumps still to this <laughs> yeah. day. I, I yeah. love it. I absolutely love that. And, and part of the value is what we talked about, you know, 30 minutes ago about the, uh, the versatile nature and, and sort of the utility of a two by 72. These people have wanted one. They've saved their money. They've gone through the drill of researching it and they've bought yours and they've built it. And they aren't just putting the wheels on, their hands are shaking while they're putting those wheels on. They're just so excited to finally have that tool in their shop. And so when that, like you said, when that wheel starts to turn and that belt starts to track and it dawns on them that they're in business, man, that, that's something they will always remember. And then to be part of that, that's uh, pretty awesome. So I know we mentioned that it a takes culture. a lot of tools. Oh, I'm sorry. It takes a lot of tools to do make knives and everything. But Brian, maybe it also can be simpler and let's just assume that two by 72 to make a high quality knife is is one of the must-have tools what else does a person need thinking like bare bones someone who has nothing you know it it doesn't have they don't have to have the full toolkit you have what do they need uh i definitely think a forge is really important you know even if it's a single burner forge and you want to start moving metal that's like key um, and yeah, you don't need a two by 72. You know, a lot of guys do these with like the four by 36 or the one by thirties that Harbor freight sells. Yeah. You'll be behind the eight ball a little bit, but it'll kind of give you an idea as to like how simple the process can be. Um, some of my more rudimentary tools I go back to is a hammer. I mean, like a decent rounding hammer is nice. A cross bean is nice. Um, again, not necessary. Uh, but if you're getting into like, say bar stock, creating knives using just simple bar stock. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, I still run my Harbor Freight Bauer cost me $87 portaband. I, I love that tool. It's, it's a fantastic tool. I use it all the time. I use it every day. I use it today. Um, I use it for a multitude of things that can shape your knives and get you where you need to go, like primarily. And then you can, you, you can even go with files. You can, you know, take everything down and with a properly tuned forge, if you know halfway what you're doing, as far as like heat treatment goes. Uh, you can pump out a knife with, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. I mean, it's really not mm -hmm. that difficult anymore. The process, in my opinion, will be frustrating though. You know, the initial mm -hmm. process of learning how to do knife making or, or um, even just moving metal as far as blacksmithing goes, the addition of these tools, uh, like for me, I never use my propane forge anymore because I have an induction forge. I love my induction forge. I don't, I just think it's easier. I turn it on and I can heat things really quickly. That again is not normal. That's not a normal process for a blacksmith, but um, it makes the process for me that much more enjoyable. So I, it, it's like tolerable to me. Whereas running a propane forge is really difficult because I don't have like ventilation like most people do. I'm in an industrial building. So 
um, it's hard for me to get that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I encourage anybody that wants to get into it to start watching uh, like Simple Little Life. Uh, Jeremy over there, he's a friend of mine. Um, he's got an amazing uh, uh, video sets of him doing knives with, you know, very rudimentary tools. Uh, that, that, that is a, that's a good channel to get caught up on if you, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. So this, this is closely tied to another life skill, which is just managing your expectations, right? So if you start into knife making with an elementary toolkit, expecting to make a, a, an entry level knife, you're going to have a great ride, you know, and then controlling those expectations and with a reasonable expectation of improvement and additional complexity, you know, but I, I'm with you 100% that it's a it's a fantastic experience unless you've set your sights so high that you're frustrated from the first time you realize how hard it is to actually move the metal with the hammer. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. if you get that in line, you're going to have a wonderful time. Yeah. And you also should look at it like you're learning something new every single time you work with a different kind of steel. Uh, for instance, like that Giotto, I used AEBL. There was three different versions of that knife before I actually figured out how to make the process work for me. Um, so I had to make three different types of that knife to, to figure it out. I've been working with high carbon steel up until that point and high carbon, you know, you can get away with a lot. Whereas AEBL will not allow you to go too hot or too cold and it will crack. It, you know, there's, there's issues there. But when you're done with it, you've got this stain resistant knife now that looks like high carbon steel. And that was the, the thing I was wanting to go for. So the entire process of me learning how to do that, I, I probably burned 10 hours and, and didn't realize it. You know, you got 10 hours invested in that and you just go, wow, I learned something new today. And now I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, that's amen. part of my journey as a craftsman is this, you know, being, I've been blessed with given the time where I can actually now do these types of things. And I feel, I feel lucky. I feel blessed. And it's been a, it's been a yeah. great ride so far. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. We're used to seeing like our dads and grandpas and all these mentor types who can just fix anything and they know a little trick. And, and when you're younger, it's just, you take it for granted. You kind of like, when I wish that person. And, and, but that's how it happened. Just kind of all, over decades of, trying new things and being in the right spot at the right time when they saw something happen. So, you know, assembling this grinder or building a few knives, even if a person doesn't become, you know, knife maker for life, who knows when those skills will just, you know, be of super uh, of, of utility or like heat treating, for example, almost that alone, just kind of going through that enough times to sort of get it, man, I, and there's probably a lot of very few people really understand what's going on, let alone how to do it. That, that is so true. That, that, that is an arcane, that, that's something people can't imagine themselves knowing anything about. And yet, like you just said, after you do it a few times and it kind of clicks, you have at least a beginning understanding of it, which is way different than anybody else. So uh, just a couple things I just want to throw out. I loved your vinegar bath, your, your descaling vinegar bath. Love that. That stuff gets so nasty after it's been, you know, it just gets, and, and you think, well, this this has got to be a toxic waste, but it's not. It's vinegar, right? It's vinegar. I just love that. I've got to gear up more effectively for that. The next thing is, if you ever want a ribbon burner, if you ever get the urge to build a big forge, if you ever need to build a big forge, let me know, man. I'll hook you up with a couple of ribbon burners. Would love to send them to you. And they 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 are the propane forge solution, you know, for a, a lot of reasons. So just file that away. Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't know if you have a need for it, but I'd love to send you guys a revolution kit. And it would be awesome to see you guys build one together um, mm -hmm. and, and put one in your shop. I know it's an extra tool, but you have, you know, you have the space there. You could have an extra. It's always nice to have an extra grinder laying around. So if you're interested, let me know. I'll hook you guys up and send it to you. And, and then you guys well, we, can do the we will definitely talk together. about that, Brian. That's a generous offer. Yeah, Thank you. And Nate, the, Nate needs a grinder in his shop. And so we could figure out. Oh, some yeah. Way yeah. Be fun That's to. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah, almost like it'd be fun to let it. If if we had one here at some point, even let it tour around. Let Sai use it for a while. And Sai, so he's so uh, he he can make magic on probably any grinder under the sun. But it'd still be interesting to have his two cents on it. So yeah. Um. Well, sure. thanks for the offer, Brian. And we'll, we'll of course link to all these videos. But just in case someone's driving and they want to take a look at this, um, can you go through your website and YouTube channel one more time, and hopefully it'll lock in for them. Sure. Uh, if you want to check out the grinders, my website is housemade.us, just like it sounds. And then <clears throat> on YouTube, I am housework. So my last name is house. Actually, my last name is housework. It's been that way my whole life. But everybody calls me house. So um, we came up with housework because I, I love to work. I'm, I believe in hard work. I think it's the true path to purpose. Um, and, um, so you can find me there. You can find me on Instagram house underscore underscore work, uh, and Facebook. We have a, a really awesome Facebook group called DIY grinders and machines. And it's just a bunch of guys like me and you talking about their experience, building their own industrial grinders. And believe it or not, there's over 10,000 people in that group. And wow. it's a re we all chat and we're sharing concepts and sharing ideas and this goes back to your original question about, you know, how do you feel about sharing your intellectual property out with the world? Um, I'm, a, I'm at the point where I feel like it's an important part of the process of moving us forward um, and, and having people climb in and learn, even if it costs me money, which I don't believe it does. I think it makes me money. But I, even if it were to cost me money, I think the overall... Um, answer to, you know, if I can inspire one person to go out and do this, it would, it makes the difference and it changed the world. Mm -hmm. That person will go out and make something new or different and that will slingshot the human race. And we'll just keep building on each other's ideas and concepts. I mean, chances are people can look at my grinder and replicate it anyway. Um, you know, so, uh, why not just give them the keys to the castle and see what happens? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love it. Well, half the time when I hear someone explain the giveaway for information, I come away going like, well, I don't want to have to reinvent that wheel. So I will hire them for whatever the thing. So it's almost like the more you hear someone explain all what's into it, it just locks in. Okay. I don't, I, I got other things to work on. So there's, I think you're dead on. It's, it's just, it's just smarter to be open yeah. and sharing and giving. And well, I love it. Well, Hey, thanks so much, Brian, for coming on. We'll link to all these things. Keep it up. I'm sure we'll be in touch and uh, just love your video. Oh, I didn't mention, but yeah, highest praise on your videos and the everything about them is just beautiful, just like the rest of your stuff. So I hope you uh, just keep doing your thing, and we'll be we'll be watching as often as we can. And um, and anything to leave the listeners with, Dad, from your side there. Uh, I, I'm uh, no, just Amen. I, I I love I love your mindset. I love the work you do. I love the videos you make. I love your art sense. I covet your art sense. Okay. I covet that sculpture education. It's so hard. I mean, that thin blurry line between art and craft, right? I mean, it, it's so indistinct sometimes, but you can tell when you're 
well on one side of the line or the other. And it's just nice to, anyhow, I covet that. But where are you located? Where are you, where are you doing your work? What part of the world are you in? I, I live in the polar opposite of you guys. So I'm in okay. South Florida. So I'm in the okay. very southwest corner of Florida in the state of, um, and in Naples is where my yeah. studio is. I was brought here okay. to work, um, got hired at, at, from a small airline, hired me to be their tech guy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I moved here for that. And I, it's a great place to live. I love it here. There just isn't a lot of like-minded people. I mean, it's a, it's a retirement community here. Uh, it's a great place to raise kids though. You know, my, my, I have three yeah. children and they're, they're uh, all, you know, hopefully going to be contributing members of society, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, tell no, you. great place. Great place. Well, 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 mine are, mine are contributing members of society and it is life's greatest blessing. It's the greatest blessing. Yeah. Well, if you ever I, get up to the I, Northwest, I if you ever get up to the Northwest, man, you come up I-5, you let us know, you stop in. We would love to show you this part of the planet. Okay. There, there will definitely be a tour going on. We're, we're actually toying around with the idea of taking a tour all around the U.S. and meeting with everybody that, you know, these key people have built the grinder and spend some time with them and then do some YouTube content based around that. Um, it'll probably be in another year or so, uh, you know, when things lighten up as far as the pandemic goes and everything. But we're, we're thinking about doing that. So I'm definitely I've never been to Oregon. And I want to go there. So. Um, I just appreciate the offer. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Brian. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.